Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you guys that are in our Zoom room, for those of you maybe streaming today on YouTube, and for those of you guys going to be watching a little bit later on, I want to welcome you. Uh, we love that you are joining us here today as we talk about uh, the Beatitudes and just Jesus's incredible teaching that we get to actually hear um, through the Bible a sermon, you know, that Jesus taught. And how exciting is that? And that what an incredible reminder that Matt gave us through worship that God has always been so faithful, you know, all throughout our lives. Sometimes we just forget those things. And I think that's a great kind of tie into the Beatitudes as we learned last week that, you know, many people, they have a misunderstanding of the Beatitudes and what it means to be blessed of God. They think it's about being happy and having everything go right. But what we see is that is very far from the truth of what Jesus revealed to us. And my sermon from last week became so real to me this week as my mom and I were at the hospital. Many of you know, my dad's been dealing with cancer. And so we were there getting some training from the physical therapist and occupational therapist in preparation for my dad coming home here soon. And, um, you know, it was a real reality check. And I think just an emotional check for my mom and I, you know, to see my dad um, just struggling just to get out of bed, to be able to move his legs from being in the hospital bed to the side and even something like uh, getting out of a wheelchair or to a walker took about a half hour, you know, and then we had to learn how to get him into the car. And that too was about a half hour to 40 minutes. And I sat there and I was uh, walking kind of behind the physical therapist and my dad and my mom. And I was like, wow, this is just, this is scary. Um, you know, this is challenging. And God kind of smacked me in the face and said, you just preached about this, that there's a blessing in this. You are blessed. And I realized you're right, God, this is a blessing because during this time that my dad has been sick with cancer, as a family, we have prayed more together than we ever have. And that's really what it's about. Blessings are about bringing us closer to God. And so today we're going to go through three more of the Beatitudes. And again, this is in Matthew 5. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to start off by reading the whole section, and we'll be focusing on three of the verses. I'm reading from the NASB, and it says this, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so next week we will be closing out and kind of summing everything up about what Jesus is talking about here. But as we 
move along with the next three Beatitudes. The first one is Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so we're going to kind of do the same process we did. It's kind of like being in class. We're going to ask some questions. And this first one's pretty pretty simple question. It's what does it mean to be merciful? Well, the Greek word for mercy means pity or compassion. And we discussed this when we talked about the motivational gifts of the spirit. But mercy, it goes beyond generosity and wanting to help someone. At a heart level, mercy is about feeling this deep sorrow and compassion for others and the suffering and the misfortune that they go through. That's what mercy is. It's this heartfelt compassion that you have for others. Mercy can also involve forgiveness for those who are guilty. Now, as we talked about about a month ago, for those that have that manifestation gift of mercy, this comes pretty easy. God's wired them. The Holy Spirit has empowered them with this gift that they just feel that heartfelt compassion for others. But if you don't have that motivational gift, is that if that is not how God created you with having that gift that the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon you, then it takes prayer and it takes the Holy Spirit in us to change our hearts in order for us to feel mercy for others. But ultimately, as a Christian, the ability to feel and express mercy for someone else, it should come from the fact that God has mercy for us. Jesus, he died for us. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 in the NASB says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So there is nothing that we did to receive the gift of salvation. It is 100% God's mercy. And that ultimately is the reason or the the motivation that we should express or show mercies for others. Others is because of what God has done for what? For us, for what Jesus sacrificed on our behalf. And the pattern of the, all the Beatitudes is that we see that certain people are blessed if something happens, and this is kind of the end result. So for those who are merciful, they receive mercy themselves. Now, this mercy, it doesn't come from other individuals. That's not what this is about. Ultimately, the mercy that the merciful get, it comes from God. And in the here and now, because we are people that sometimes struggle, struggle or often struggle with thinking about eternity, there is a mercy that we receive now, and that is the gift of salvation and forgiveness for our sins. That is something that here and now, we receive that is a blessing that we have had if we are merciful. And then in the future, mercy is the reality. The blessing is the reality that we get to, uh, we get to spend eternity with Jesus when he returns. That is the eternal or future blessing that we receive. So as we continue along, let's go to Matthew 5, verse 8. 
as we look at the next beatitude and it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So again, we ask the question, what exactly does it mean to be pure in heart? Does it just mean to be a good person or is there a little bit more to this? Well, looking at the original languages, and this is where knowing some of the Hebrew and Greek is really helpful. So the Greek word for pure, it means being free from adulterating matter, being ceremonially clean, being free from moral guilt. In other words, to be pure biblically is to be free from that which corrupts or makes someone impure This allows them to be free from moral guilt. And that thing that causes us to become impure, that thing that makes us dirty, is sin. And we've talked about in past sermons that sin is not just the do's and don'ts of the Bible. It ultimately comes down to our heart condition, according to how God says we should live. Our heart condition is where that sin comes from or how we deal with our sin. So the pure in heart are those who have a single-minded devotion to God and have a lifestyle characterized by pleasing God. This is the goal. This is how they're trying to live their lives. They're striving for this, to have that devotion, that single-mindedness to making God the number one priority above all things. It also means doing your best to intentionally reduce the sin in our lives. I don't know in this lifetime if anyone will ever be completely sinless. We know that there is only one person, 100% human, 100% divine, and that was Jesus. But we strive for that. We want our goal to be that we reduce very intentionally the sin in our lives. And for those who are able to do that, for those that are striving for that, to reduce the sin in their lives, the blessings that those who are pure in heart, that they receive or experience, is that they will see God. And I think it's important to talk about that because some people are like, well, I thought the Bible says that we can't see God. Like, that's not possible for us. Well, So we have to look at what exactly does this passage mean, the Beatitudes? What what are they saying here? What is this specific Beatitude saying? Well, ultimately, we will not see God. That will not be realized until we are in heaven where we will see God as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So eventually, for believers, for Christians, for people who call Jesus their Lord and Savior, there will come a time where they will see God as he is. And that's incredible. That is truly an incredible blessing. But what about now? Again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, It's hard to think about eternity and eternal things. Well, we are blessed because we can also see God in the here and now through the eyes of faith. 
Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27, this time in the NIV. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, uh, he persevered because he, he saw him who is invisible. So through the eyes of faith, he saw God because he physically didn't see him at that time. But what's so incredible about this is that he wanted to hit, live his life in such a way that he intentionally was trying to be obedient. He was trying to reduce the sin in his life. And why? Because he could see God through the eyes of faith. Maybe this has happened to you that there are times in our life when we can see God through the actions of other believers. We can see God through the Holy Spirit's manifestations around us. We aren't physically seeing God. We are seeing God through the eyes of faith. And that's the incredible blessing that we get today in the here and now. And quite possibly, there are other people out there that, based on how we're living our lives, if we are living for Jesus, if he is our primary focus, if we are trying to reduce the sin in our lives very intentionally, people may look at us and say, wow, I'm seeing God through the way this person lives their life. And I hope that really inspires you, that it encourages you that our lives and the way we are, our faithfulness to God, it can affect other people's faith and the faith journey that they're on. So as we continue now moving to Matthew 5, 9, this next beatitude says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So what is what exactly is a peacemaker? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? It's important to understand or keep in mind that this verse, it says peacemaker, not peacekeeper, and not those that are peaceful, but a peacemaker. This is so significant because what it takes to be a peacemaker is very different than what it takes to keep peace and to be peaceful. So what exactly does it take to make peace? Well, first, it's important to understand that Jesus isn't limiting peacemaking in this beatitude. Peacemaking can be between people and God and can also be between people and other people. Making peace is not appeasement or passive compliance. I've met many people that they think, hey, just say sorry, just get along with this person. Even if you don't mean it, just do it. That's not peacemaking. That's appeasing. And honestly, long-term, that does nothing. It's something in our hearts. We need to be peacemakers. And 
And here's an incredible example of what it takes to be a peacemaker. It's God. Jesus. Ephesians 2, verses 15 through 17. I'm continuing in the NIV. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far and away, and peace to those who were near. We see this theme of God's peace and also in Colossians 1 verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God is our example of peacemaking. And what it took in God's peacemaking was Jesus' death. It wasn't appeasement. It was truly sacrificing and giving everything to make peace. Godly peacemaking is not easy. It takes work. And just like Jesus' sacrifice, it is free from selfish ambition. Peace is not just about people getting along or because, hey, I want to go to the movies, but I want to include these other people too. So we need to get along. We have to have peace. That's not what it's about. It's not about a third party intervention. It is about the peace seeking ways that each of us as individuals have in our hearts. It's the way that as individuals, we handle our own personal and corporate situations, the things that come up in our lives. How are our hearts? Do we have peacemaking hearts? Or do we just have appeasing, make people happy hearts? Because again, with God as our example, we see what it took to reconcile God and people. It took true sacrifice. Godly peace, it resides, it flows from our hearts. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience that true life-changing peace. The kind of peace where we love God above everything else. And we love others as we love ourselves. This just happens to be the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. I'm going back to the NASB. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So true godly peacemaking is about honestly dealing with and solving problems. It means being transparent. It means owning your stuff. 
you know, problems between people, problems between countries, problems between races, they're not one-sided. If you can't own your stuff, if you can't sacrifice yourself, that peacemaking won't happen. You might get a little bit of peacekeeping or you might feel a little peaceful, but the kind of peace that ultimately changes people's hearts takes sacrifice. And the blessing that godly peacemakers receive, they will be called sons of God. Now, this statement is not just for men only. It's for women, too. We just know that in the time the Bible is writing, typically the men were the ones that were educated. And so that's why we see sons of God. But there's another reason why this term was used. So again, sons of God is referring to men and women. But the usage of the term sons of, in the original Greek, it carried with it, or it was describing the privileges that sons of kings had in the ancient world. So being sons and daughters of God reflects the privilege we receive of experiencing eternal life in heaven with God. That is an incredible privilege. That is an incredible blessing. But along with the spiritual and eternal privileges of being sons or daughters of God, we are called children of God or sons of God, as this verse says, because we reflect our Father God's character. And we will be identified as God's true ambassadors as we are more and more conformed to his likeness, as we show and express more of God's character. And there's another thing here to remember, and that is, even though, or although, many of our peacemaking efforts in this age, while we are here on earth, even though many of them will be thwarted, Many of them won't happen. Many of them will fall apart. As children of God, as sons and daughters of God, we should not become peace breakers. And that's really a hard thing. But again, that's why it's so hard and difficult, because it's not about appeasement. It's not just about doing something that makes someone happy. It's having a heart change. And these three verses, these three Beatitudes, and I mentioned last week, we can't just pick the ones we want. They're really all-encompassing. This is what it means to be blessed. It's just broken down into great detail. As we discussed last week, the key to begin to experience these Beatitudes and to be able to be blessed by them and to embrace them and want to experience them, they're found in the fourth Beatitude, or as I mentioned last week, some people call it the Beatitude Bridge, and it's Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We need to chase after God, to seek him, to desire him, the way someone does when they are dying of thirst or hunger. I gave different illustrations last week that when people are starving, when they are dehydrated, 
they will do anything and everything to get food and water. That needs to be our attitude with God, that we will do anything and everything to grow closer to him. That he is our greatest desire above everything else. To realize that honestly and truly, we can do nothing without it. We don't get up in the morning if God does not allow us to breathe. We don't tie our shoes. We don't eat breakfast. We don't drive to work. We don't tell our family members we love them without God's blessing, without his help. We need to walk with God daily. The reason why it is so important that we understand this, who we are in relationship to God and how important he is, and that we understand what it means to be blessed of God is because life is hard. If I sat here and, and every week just told you, hey, life is peachy and it's great and everything's wonderful, I'd be lying to you. Life isn't easy. And we are living in a time and we are all experiencing that if we base our blessings simply on what makes us happen or <laughs> simply on what makes us happy, we're going to get discouraged. And I know many of you are feeling discouragement. Many people around the world are. They're being challenged by the things that are going on. And we are also, we are also living in this time during the pandemic and social unrest and just all of these challenges, the things that we see going on in Afghanistan and and, and, and uh, what Haiti with uh, the earthquake, there's just so much stuff going on in the world, so much pain and suffering that despite Christians being called to be the light or a light, Jesus is the light, we're called to be the light, and we are called to make disciples of all people, many Christians are struggling with their faith. I was reading this report recently, and it said that during the pandemic, one in three practicing Christians, so these are people that are claiming Christ and they attend church at least once a month, that one in three practicing Christians have quit attending church during the pandemic. They quit in person, which that makes sense, but they quit attending online. They're not doing church at all. And 50% of millennials they have quit. So that number is even higher with the millennial generation. So again, they're not attending in person and they're not attending online. And these same individuals, they report a higher level of emotional burdens. So what that says is, as I preached a few weeks ago, these people, they are knowingly or unknowingly taking a vacation from God and it's causing them problems. That's why we have to understand the Beatitudes and what they mean. Because ultimately, they are about growing closer to God. Beatitudes aren't, or being blessed isn't about what makes us happy. It's about acknowledging and knowing that we need God and we want to be closer to him. That is the ultimate blessing. That's why so many Beatitudes, and we will finish up next week, and that will pretty much be the focus of it, that the ultimate blessings that we get from God, they're eternal. 
They're, they're not here and now. And that's really hard to understand for all of us. Salvation and eternity in heaven or eternal separation from God, that is really hard for us to understand. And so I want us as a church to get this. Because with all the challenges going on in the world, we need to be the light. We need to reflect the ultimate light, Jesus, because there are people that don't know him that are so challenged. And there are people that do know him, but have walked away from him for whatever reason. And we want to help to bring them back. We don't want to push them away because we are struggling with our own challenges and we don't realize what they're about. So I want to encourage each of you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to truly understand what it means to be blessed. Because this sermon that Jesus preached, this Sermon on the Mount, it's so profound. The way we are to live by, as Christians, he talks about it. And he got us kind of started off with what it means to be blessed. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for allowing challenges in our life that um, are painful. They're not fun. But if we understand what it means to be blessed, we will see that ultimately they're drawing us closer to you. They are allowing us to have a deeper relationship with you. Lord Jesus, I pray that if there is anyone out there that is struggling, whether it is struggling with their faith, struggling with their health, with relationships, with their emotions, that through your Holy Spirit, they would realize that this is the time to press into you. This is the time to cry out to you, to reach out to you, our Abba Father. I pray, Lord, if there are people in our life that, uh, in our lives that don't know you, that we would, we would be a reflection of you, the ultimate light. I pray that we would, through your Holy Spirit, be empowered to boldly share the gospel. That you, Holy Spirit, would help us to speak the truth in love. That you, Holy Spirit, would not, us, not allow us to be afraid. Because we want everyone to be blessed. We want everyone to grow closer to you, God. Thank you for such an incredible sermon, Jesus, that so many years later we can take what you taught and share it with others. We, 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 I, Lord, will never, never even come close to what you preached here. And so I pray, the Lord, that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, empower this to not fall on deaf ears. Transform us, Lord. Help us to be the people of God you've created us to be. We pray this all in your name. Amen.